And so I think it's just really all about being uncomfortable. And I don't know if balance is achieved. I think you, that balance is achieved by testing things out and potentially falling. But when you break through, it's the craziest, most awesome feeling in the world. Hi, and welcome. I'm Jeff Hunter, and you are listening to Coaching in the Clear, the podcast committed to helping you learn about coaching. Coaching is more popular than ever, and we believe that sharing in-depth personal conversations about coaching experiences is the best way for you to learn whether coaching is for you and how you can get the most out of your coaching practice. We are especially interested in how people use coaching to unleash their potential while creating market-leading big-change businesses. Coaching in the Clear is a production of Talentism, a business dedicated to helping the world's most ambitious leaders achieve their ultimate goals by systematically turning confusion into clarity. We send out a weekly newsletter called The Sense Maker, where we offer our latest thinking about issues affecting big change companies and their leaders, as well as provide other helpful content to enable you to unleash your potential. Learn more and sign up at talentism.com. Today I'm speaking with Renee DeAngelis. Renee is someone who has always fearlessly chased her passions. She left a job at the software giant Oracle to work construction on a Belmont, California climbing gym called Planet Granite. Soon enough, she was managing the gym and went on to become CEO. She then successfully sold Planet Granite, in a merger that created the largest climbing business in the United States. But despite her professional success, she continues to push herself in practically every extreme outdoor sport you can name. We're going to talk about reflections on the responsibilities of a coach, finding parallels and personal passions, facing the unknown, sitting with discomfort, finding your fears, and doing the work to show up for people, all while acknowledging your privilege. So Renee, thank you so much for joining us today on Coaching in the Clear. My first question for you is, how did you come to uh, use a coach? Uh, How did you get to the place where you decided you wanted to use a coach? Well, uh, hi, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, coaching came to me through a, um, an acquisition and merger involving private equity. And so um, we were merging with another company um, that did the same thing as we do. Uh, and uh, that's when I met you and your team. And we there are a lot of intricacies to those types of deals. And so we met and we decided to that having a coach would help me navigate through some of the challenges with what happens with a transaction like that. Great. And uh, I would just say for the audience, that was a very successful transaction. So congratulations on that. (laughs) Um, It has helped you build an amazing company. So tell me a little bit about what you've learned about coaching and how you experience it. Um, You came to it pretty new and I've really enjoyed uh, our relationship and and the opportunity to coach you, uh, and I've seen you grow a lot through that process. So tell me a, tell me a little bit about how you've experienced it and what you've learned about over time. Oh my gosh, so much. Um, I think the I mean overall, I think coaching is this opportunity for you to become the best version of yourself, and 
I one of the biggest takeaways I've had is I had often led a team and managed a team and run a company and grown a company a lot through this instinct that was um, that was deep inside of me. And I think working with you, I've been able to put a framework together around it and language around it that not only I can use, but also my colleagues and people I work with can use. So it's been a sort of a, a common, we've created a common language. We've been able to all learn together through using that framework. I, um, I also think that throughout my whole life, I've always had a coach. And I think I, I truly believe coaching is not really a one-dimensional thing. You know, as a coach, as, as a person who leads a, a team or leads a company, um, I find that I learn just as much from the people I'm working with or coaching um, as I do hopefully help them <laughs> as well. So I feel like it's, um, for me, in either seat or either hat that I wear, I feel like it's a, there's a lot of growth and opportunity, an opportunity to master something and a lot of opportunity to learn something new. So I'm going to, I'm going to let the audience in on a little thing. So one of the things I love about our conversations is you are uh, not only a expert and a professional in the world of climbing, you're also an enthusiast and you spend a lot of your time uh, free time, uh, such as it is, there isn't a lot climbing. And uh, so I, I'm always trying to impress you by bringing up climbing references. And you're always <laughs> very patient with me as I stumble my way through that. Uh, and that's been a very cool dynamic in our relationship. But one of the things that I'm um, that I've found when I'm coaching people is there's usually some area of their life where they pursue excellence. It's not always in their job, but there's mm -hmm. some area of their life where they push themselves and they're testing themselves to really uncover what they're capable of. And I, I not only have seen you, I mean, I've, we've talked about climbing and what that means for you, but also I've seen that in the world of your work. Is there some way you can connect those two things for me? Like what it's like to climb versus what it's like to lead? Oh my gosh, there are, it's all the same. Um, well, first of all, I want to say I'm not an expert climber. There are so many people who are way beyond me. Um, I think I'm, I have a love, deep love and passion. I've been climbing for so long, it's almost embarrassing because I should be a lot better than I am. <laughs> But I love it. And that's the wonderful thing about the sport is that at any level, you can enjoy it. But there's so many parallels. I, I often, you know, when you're climbing, you are, well, actually, let me give you a story. Um, back in 2008, when I was just with um, Planet Granite, which is the company that I was part of and helped grow before we um, had the private equity merger and acquisition, I went to climb El Cap. And the actual El Cap <laughs> in Yosemite. And um, I remember standing at the bottom of the route and looking up and thinking, oh my gosh, I am, how am I ever going to do this? It looks really steep and long. And during that um, time, we were in a really busy growth phase at work. We, uh, we were opening a new gym. We were hosting a national competition. I had a brand new team of people that I had just assembled in anticipation of this growth. And so it was really crazy at work. And I just thought, I looked up at that rock and I thought, well, if I can get through all of that, I can get through this climb. And you just 
kind of tackle it one pitch at a time. And I think that that's what we did in that moment um, at our company is that we just slowly crept up the, you know, indoor climbing version of LCAP to accomplish all the things that we had to do. And so I think that, you know, when you're standing on the top of it, or when you're through, you've got all your gyms open and you're past all the, the competition and craziness, you feel that same sense of success. So I think in an overall sense, that is um, there's so much similarity and I've, I've always loved it, loved it. And it is, you're constantly pushing yourself. And I feel like I'm always driving myself to excellence, both at work and in my personal time. And, uh, there is no one thing, but I think I'm fairly lucky that, that it is so similar and there are so many overlaps. One of the things I've experienced in our conversations and it, and it's really helped me sort of formulate this in my mind. So talentism is constantly talking about goals and unleashing your potential. And mm-hmm. because people talk about potential in different ways, it's sort of this mystical sort of thing, right? Like it's always out there. It's never achievable, et cetera. And so that can make it sort of squishy for lack of a better term. And so we talk about potential is as potential does, like you got to keep pushing the boundaries of things to figure out where your potential is. And yet the thing I, the very little I know about climbing, and I appreciate your humility so much in describing that, but uh, of course, relative to me, you are an expert. So we'll, <laughs> we'll continue to use that okay. measurement for now. Mm-hmm. But one of the things a very, the little climbing I had done earlier in my life is that sense of how much to push yourself because pushing yourself beyond a certain limit actually could be dangerous. Mm -hmm. And yet if you aren't willing to put yourself in a position where you have to figure something out or you have to make uh, a big move, um, you know, then you'll never really know. You won't know what your potential is. Um, How do you think about the balance of those things, again, both in climbing and with respect to the excellence you're pursuing at work? Well, I don't think that you really know unless you try and you get, you have to be okay with falling. Um, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And I I think in climbing and in, you know, work scenario, uh, you have to be okay with being uncomfortable. And I have often told people I work with that, you know, well, when you're climbing, the first person up the route uh, or the pitch is lead climbing. And it's a little more scary because the higher you go up, you're placing gear or clipping into a to gear as you go up and um, you fall to that last piece of gear that you have clipped. And that's called lead climbing. And um, it's a little bit scary because you fall a little bit farther than if you're following, if you're the second person. And so I think that um, when I'm, when you're leading a team or helping someone get through something, I think you, you have to be okay being uncomfortable. You've got to kind of be on lead um, and push yourself and navigate the unknown. You don't always know where you're going, but you do need, you do know you know where you want to end up, but you don't necessarily know how to get there. And so I think it's just really all about being uncomfortable. And I don't know if balance is achieved. I think that balance is achieved by testing things out and potentially falling. But when you break through, it's the craziest, most awesome feeling in the world. Um, you know, that's when you tap into your fears, when you've tried something, you've been on the edge of, I don't know if I should go forward or not. And you go forward and you are successful, then it is, it's just the most 
uh, amazing feeling out there and confidence building and everything that goes along with kind of becoming the best version of yourself. One of the things, um, so you just use the word fierce. And as mm-hmm. you know, I've got a sticky on my computer that says, find <laughs> your find your fears. Yeah. Um, I learned so much from the people I, I have the good fortune to coach. And from you, I've learned a lot about courage. And mm-hmm. so I've got this posted. It says, find your fears, because that's something you were talking about with yourself. And I've seen you mm-hmm. exhibit it. What have you experienced in the with coaching with regards to helping you find that fears? Or do you think that's just something you have and then coaching is playing another role once you have it? Oh my gosh. I think that finding finding your fears is something you always have to work on. It's not that you have it and it stays with you. Um, I feel like um, I lost mine for many years and Jeff, you've been instrumental in helping me find that and helping me uh, really make sense of how you do that. Um, so I don't know if that's really answering your question, but I think that it's, it's something that you have, it's easy to become complacent, I guess. It's easy, I think, as a female to get knocked down, um, or, and to start to not believe in yourself. And so it takes, you know, I have appreciated you as a coach because you have been dedicated to knowing that I know how to tap into that and, and helping guide me along the way and how to do that, how to find how to find it and what it looks like when I have. Okay. So I, so you provided an opening. I, I want to pursue this a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And because it's actually uh, something that's deeply meaningful to me and it's also a scary topic to talk about. And so I just want mm-hmm. to put it out in the open, which is, as you know, I, I coach a number of female founders, a number of female executives and something I'm asking them during the course of this podcast is, um, about my blindness and about the the privilege I have as a straight white male and about what that does um, with respect to whether I can be an effective coach for somebody who I don't share their experience because mm-hmm. I do have so much privilege. And you and I have talked a, a fair amount about this, about um, your experience being a female executive and and for you, it it hasn't just as far as I've understood it, it hasn't just been being a female executive. It's like you're sort of a trailblazer in a lot of different areas. So in climbing is a very male dominated sort of uh, sport. At least that's where a lot of the attention goes to. Uh, and so I would just love anything you could tell me or tell us about what I need to pay attention to or think about with respect to being the best possible coach for people who don't have my privilege and don't, and I don't share their experience. Well, I think that you, one of the most important things is doing the work and it, it, feels to me like you do do the work. Um, You're always asking questions that uh, sort of stop our conversation. And when you're able to say, well, you know, wait, uh, you know, I don't know the perspective you're coming from. And you, you kind of recognize when you might be coming from a place of privilege. And so part of that is to be, I, I think it's absolutely possible, but it but the coach has to be someone who is humble and open and willing to do the work to learn what what coming from a place of privilege means. Well, I guess that's that's it for now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Okay. I mean, okay. I was trying to think. I mean, I think that it's it's just, you know, I kind of think of it as we're in this together. You've been helping me and I, you know, I hope that you've learned a perspective from me that I that maybe you didn't have before and the other women that you coach. But uh, I don't it's sort of, it's just a journey. And I think that if you have the relationship where you can be open and honest with each other and have the conversations when that it is a start and, you know, I don't really have a, I, I just don't think there's a blanket answer to that because every, not every coach is going to do the work and get educated on what it means to be coming from their perspective. That's great. Thank you. Okay. So tell me if you, if you could change one thing, two things, whatever it is, I don't want to put an artificial limit on this mm-hmm. about what the people who work in the corporate world need to know about what they can do better to create an environment that unleashes the potential of their employees, uh, what would it be? So what would it be to create the environment that would unleash the potential of their employees? Well, I think, I mean, the first thing is create a culture in which that is uh, able to thrive um, and have a huge ear to listening and learn how to ask really good questions. Good. So what would be a really good question? Hmm. <laughs> well, I think if you ask anyone that I work with, they will tell you that I am very good at asking questions. <laughs> so I think a good question, if there's maybe not one good question, but I think that I don't pretend that I know everything. Um, and so it's trying to, when people come to me with challenges, questions, you know, help me get through this. It's being able to ask them a question that helps them think critically about the situation so they can learn to come to a conclusion on their own or get to a conclusion together if you don't know the answer is either. Yeah. So the the thing for me, and we've talked about this a lot. So, it, you know, I have this belief, like we're all confused. Mm-hmm. confusion is this thing that's happened to us as a species. Like it's not, uh, some people are bad and some people are good and some people are confused and unconfused and stupid or lazy or whatever. It's like as a species, we have this interesting sort of thing where we're able to create lots of complexity, but we don't necessarily have the right mind to deal with the complexity that we've created. And so we're constantly in confusion about what's happening around us. And then I think great leaders and people like yourself come to it with a sense of humility about the fact that you're probably missing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the, I think of things like, and again, this is something we've talked about. I think of it like the, the, you have lots of tools at your disposal to achieve your goals, but the biggest, most important tool you have is your brain. And so what you really want to do first and foremost is be like a craftsman of your own brain. You want to be excellent at using that tool. It's not the only tool you've got, but it's a really big one. It's a really important one. And because the brain is giving us consciousness and giving us awareness and all those things, it's almost sort of like we're inside the tool itself as opposed to separate from it and looking at it and saying, oh, how could I use this better? And so the first thing is to understand that we have a lot of agency in any situation to be able to step back and say, okay, um, how, you know, what could I do better? How could I improve? And then the question to me, the single point question that continues to help people 
both reinforce that humility as well as ask a productive sort of inquiry to help you move forward is what am I missing? Because I think we're all missing stuff, right? It's just constant. Um, mm -hmm. And it's both just a reality that we, our brain can't possibly process all the information that's flowing into it. It's also a reality that our brain makes all sorts of unconscious distinctions and biases um, that we aren't even aware of. And so we're just sort of dealing with what another part of our brain has already let us sort of deal with. And coming to a place of humility and saying, what am I missing? To me is the question that sort of, unle you know, sort of mm -hmm. unleashes that moment yeah. to explore. Um, and I've, in our, in our coaching, I've, I've seen you do that well. Uh, I agree. I think this is a great example of what I was, uh, when we were talking earlier about sort of what's the value I've gotten out of coaching is so you know, as soon as you started talking, I'm thinking in my brain, of course, yes, the best question is to ask, what am I missing? Um, I don't immediately go there and I go to my gut instinct and this intuitive of, you know, I'm asking questions to, um, to help people think critically about something. And so I think just, I want to, I don't know if this is making sense, but just like, I'm, um, pointing to the framework that you all have put together as a way to talk about this, as a way to maybe formalize how and speak about how I would go about coaching someone or how I would go about um, creating that environment that people can become their, their best selves in is, um, yes, I, you're right, that that is the best question is what am I missing here and getting to that through a series of questions. So I don't know if that makes any sense. But yeah. Yeah, I think it also connects back to the previous question, the previous thing we were talking about around privilege. I think if more people with privilege would just ask themselves that question, it would yeah. create a space and an opening to really learn. Right. I think every, the, the, again, something you and I have talked a lot about is power creates privilege mm -hmm. and that we're all somewhere in a hierarchy somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. We all have bosses and we all have Somebody who, you know, people are more powerful than us and less powerful than us. And especially when we're an executive, there's a lot of people who are less powerful than us and how we show up to that experience with a sense of humility mm -hmm. and yet being completely focused on our goals and not losing, losing sight of that, holding that tension mm -hmm. is just so incredibly difficult. And one of the things I've always loved learning from you about climbing, et cetera, is, is that dynamic tension that you can't mm -hmm. have arrogance as you're working towards the summit mm -hmm. and yet you have to be laser focused on the summit and knowing that, you know, there is an end goal you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot from you uh, about thinking that way and thinking through that. Mm -hmm. What do you think about, so one of the things I'm, I'm pretty curious about is how you create a really great organization, an organization in your case, um, you know, LCAP runs mm -hmm. these incredible climbing gyms. And I've always loved hearing from you how important it was that people walk through the door of the climbing gym and they find a safe place to try something extreme and something important to sort of unleash themselves on the wall, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about all the details you and your team cover and the myriad little things that have to go right, so somebody has, can somebody, one of your customers can only pay attention to one thing. You can only pay attention to like, okay, have I picked the right wall? Am I clipped in? Am, am I going to do this? As opposed to like, wow, this place smells or whatever it <laughs> is. Um, how do you think about both holding high standards 
for just a lot of little things while at the same time being incredibly open that a person who's helping you achieve that goal isn't having a good day or is, you know, they today just they made a mistake and and the mistake is affecting a customer. Um, and so you care deeply about that customer. You care about their experience. You care about that employee. How do you think about being a leader and a manager in the midst of that tension? Well, I think it helps in our in, uh, in my particular world that we there's not a lot of separation from our our team at work and the community that we work in and our personal lives. So if we are all you know, I I can speak to myself. I work here. I but I'm also part of the climbing community. So there's a tremendous amount of accountability and ownership that I have on a personal and professional level just every day, whether I'm stepping into the gym to work, whether I'm stepping into the gym to climb, or even if I'm out at a local crab, I cl- cl- blah, local crag, climbing crag. I, uh, I think that in, it's on one level that it's a lot of weight on your shoulders, um, but on the other, I think it makes it that tension a little, it eases that tension because it gives the sense that we're, we're all in this together. And, you know, it's not just when we're talking about safety in the gym, for example, it's not just on us to ensure safety. It's on the whole community. It's on every climber who walks in to make sure that if they see something that potentially might lead to a mistake, that they're speaking up about it, whether to our team members or to that fellow customer, member, guest. Um, so I think that it's a little bit, I feel very lucky that it's a little bit easier because we care deeply, not only about the experience and not only about the safety, um, but uh, the people in the community. And we've really haven't, you know, we've had our success by building great communities and having a good culture and having a great vibe when you walk into that door. And so um, it, we're all part of it, whether you're working or whether you're there for fun. That's awesome. Okay. So what if you're managing someone and you, as you, as their manager, see they mm-hmm. have so much more to give. They have so <laughs> much more potential in them. Uh-huh. And they're just, for whatever reason, at least the way you're perceiving it is they're not bringing it. Mm-hmm. They are just, something's going on. Mm-hmm. And there's a pretty big gap between your expectation and your experience. Mm-hmm. I.e., There's confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you approach that thinking as much as a manager, as a coach in that moment to try to unleash their potential? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- it, I how do I approach it? I mean, it's, it's a very, I feel like it's a long road and that starts with understanding what's going on with that person. So it's the question you asked, what am I missing here? Is there something, you know, have we missed a skills assessment? Is there something going on in the person's personal life? Have they performed previously and there's, there's suddenly a change in performance? Um, I, I just start by asking all of those questions initially. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked a little bit just to connect to this. Um, so to tie some of this together, you talked mm-hmm. a little bit earlier about culture. Mm-hmm. You're talking a little bit about performance, about potential. Mm-hmm. And, and you went through a merger. And mergers are always interesting experiences because they they take two uh, organizations filled with incredible, well-meaning people who are trying to achieve something. They may even be trying to achieve the same thing, like mm-hmm. run incredible climbing gyms, but they have 
different cultures. They have different mm -hmm. behaviors they reward, different ways of making sense of things. This was really your first time going through that experience. What have you what have you learned about that merger and about people and about cultures? And unleashing potential in the midst of that. Uh, well, so we've actually now gone through two <laughs> because we so yeah. uh, we we merged with Earth Planet Granite merged with Earthtrex uh, to almost three years ago, and then just this past uh, December, we also um, acquired another a third climbing gym company called Movement. So we have been putting together, stitching together and creating a new culture out of all three brands since January, really. So my experience with that is, I mean, it was really eye-opening because when Planet Granite and Earthtracks first merged, we very much viewed each other as, wow, we're these sister companies. And they, you know, we knew, uh, we knew each other. I would always call up um, uh, that team and ask questions. How are you doing this? Or, you know, what software do you use, et cetera? And we would collaborate on a lot of things when we were two separate companies. And so the merger seemed like it would be easy. It, you know, of course, all the puzzle pieces are fitting together. But when we actually dug into it is the companies did things drastically different. Um, not that one was any better than the other. It's just we then real realized very quickly we needed to figure out how to take the best of and create new. And so what I've learned about people is that there are, you know, I think the success of it depends on people being really open to change and open to new ways of doing things. And I think it also it was also a lot of conversations with people of, do you really want to, you know, be part of creating this new thing? And I think as leaders, it was really important and it still is very important to cast a vision of where we want to go and what does that look like and how, how we get there is important, but where are we going to get everybody, you know, on the bus and or in the boat and rowing in the same direction? And that has been incredibly hard to do. And I remember you telling me that creating culture when you've gone through merger takes years and years. And uh, I am definitely... We're three years into it. And yeah, it does. It's a lot of work and it's a long road. Yeah, culture is culture is one of those things. I think it's one first of all, it's one of those words that's thrown around a lot and, mm -hmm. and a lot of people do, and yet it's it's very difficult to sort of define it. Mm -hmm. We we have a particular way we define it, as you know, we've talked a lot about that. But the, the thing that strikes me is when you're going through any sort of uh, integration, cultural change associated with that integration, and it doesn't even have to be two companies, it can be two teams, it can mm -hmm. be two, uh, you know, two people, Yeah. then you're you're really dealing with this thing that's interesting about human beings that we all think one thing about ourselves we we believe something about ourselves that is true that may not be true in other words mm -hmm. if you go to, to if you go to a person and you say would you be open-minded to doing things in a better way they'll say yes almost universally mm -hmm. they'd be like yeah mm -hmm. of course and then but what both the data and the experience shows is the answer is probably no yeah um it, most people are very deeply grounded in these unconscious biases, ways of working, habits, procedures, we just get used to them. Mm -hmm. And our mind really attaches to them as mm -hmm. a way of like making sense of the world. And when someone comes along in one context, a conversation says, would you be open? Then the person says, sure. 
And when you actually put them into the change process, it's a, it's a radically different thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, how you work with human beings through that, again, you're trying to achieve a goal. It's very interesting, especially in the private equity context you're operating in, where there's, it's not like, you know, 15, 20-year horizons, it's five and seven-year horizons, and you got to integrate a lot of stuff, improve a lot of things, go through a lot of change, open a lot of gyms, do all these things all at once. And you're dealing at the end of the day with human beings and Mm -hmm. human beings, um, some like change, some types of change, some don't like change. And you as a leader have Mm -hmm. to take them through that. And one of the things I believe that's just so important for anybody who's listening about how to unleash your potential is to understand that you yourself are probably the thing that is standing in the way of that. Yeah, It's you, you're saying authentically, and I, and, and I don't think people are ever lying when they say, yeah, I'm, I'm up for the challenge. And then later when they struggle with a change or a similar challenge, then you'll hear them, you know, sort of blame others and, and say, no, I, I was up for the challenge if it had only gone down this way or whatever. But if you put them in a safe space and you really take them through that, it often is that, no, the, it was easy to say that change, you know, you were open to change and it was actually very difficult to do. And that's why starting with the premise that people are confused as opposed to bad or good mm-hmm. or, you know, stupid or lazy or, you know, or smart or dumb or whatever, those sorts of models or, or frames we put in our head to make sense of things are just not productive. Mm-hmm. But knowing that people are confused and, and, and getting them to clarity can take a lot of work, uh, I think is sort of the center of it. Yeah. And I've seen you go through that and work through that. Yeah. And I don't think we're we're there. I mean, it is such a long process because there's there's layers of confusion. There's, um, you know, I think we it's creating that safe space. I think you mentioned you touched on it when you said that. I, I think it's creating a, a space where people do feel that they can express something and be heard, um, and that uh, there aren't consequences to it. But it's it has also been just a lot of conversations about what does a a merger and an acquisition mean? And what does, you know, it means that we're probably not going to be doing the same thing because we've got a whole new blank slate of way to, for me, it was this, this opening up to create an experience that would transform our industry. And I, for both team members and customers walking through the door. And I think that um, getting everybody on board to do that meant letting go of how you did things in the past. And it's still difficult for people. And you can see it on, on their faces when something is challenging the way things used to be. And we're slowly getting through all of that. But And, and I hope that it's been a great learning experience for everybody involved. But it has been so many conversations on so many levels. And it's every person in the company from from top to bottom has to go through this and it just takes someone with I mean you almost have to set your kind of step outside of yourself uh, to be able to view it and trying to I think for me one of my biggest challenges has been and and learning experiences has been how do you encourage that behavior across across departments across the whole company and at many different layers so it's been a journey and I'm incredibly thankful that 
I have a team of really talented people to help me along with it because it can't, you know, it shouldn't and can't fall on one person to be spearheading all of it. Yeah. And I think what makes it especially difficult is when I talk to people about the leaders I work with and, you know, anybody who occupies a position of leadership probably has some level of celebrity associated with them. I don't think Mm -hmm. that's a good thing, by the way. Mm -hmm. I just think that's natural for human beings to take a look at somebody who has more power or privilege than they do and say, oh, wow, there must be something unique or special about them. And my experience is like, no, usually there's not. We're all just human beings. We're all confused. We're all sort of working our way through a lot of stuff. Some people have particular talents and given those talents or given luck, they end up in a certain place. Mm -hmm. But, you know, tomorrow the context could change and it could be you and you could be the right leader for the time. And so it's really just about constantly being in pursuit of, uh, you know, as we've talked about your big four. But to understand that when you're in a position of privilege or power, that you've got these, as we've talked about, psychological keys to the kingdom, because you can hire people, you can fire them. You can promote them, you can demote them, you can give them status, you can give them membership or cast them out, you can give them the security or you can diminish that security. And to me, that's such a critical, important thing every day to understand like how, how important it is it, to be in that position of power or privilege and treat that with humility and treat that with a level of like understanding that if you are, as a leader, confused or having a hard day, that's going to have a big ripple effect and that's going to mm-hmm. really impact a lot of people. And, and I know a lot of leaders almost sometimes get defensive about that. Like, you know, that that's not fair or whatever. And, and I sort of feel like to use that celebrity metaphor. It's the, you know, the celebrities who complain about the paparazzi and I'm like, okay, got it. <laughs> but it's the reality. People want to see pictures of you. So, um, so how are we going to deal with that? And, the thing I've experienced working with you and, and again, so many other great leaders is the times you're most connected into that humility, the time you're most connected into that, like, okay, I may be missing something. Or if I'm asking people to to change, I've got to sort of start there myself and be the change I want to see. Um, that courage of going first, being first on the, you know, being first up the pitch is really the one of the biggest, most important parts of leadership. Um, And I think you've Mm -hmm. exemplified it really well. Mm -hmm. Well, I think um, when you were talking about, you know, people basically being walking around being confused, um, it it is courage. And I think it it takes courage to, to lead and and to set that example. And I, but I also want to, our job is to help people make sense of things. (laughs) And you've, you've said that often. And I think if we, can't do that, then, um, you know, it's, it's recognizing when we can't, but I I think a lot of people, something that's been on my mind lately is a lot of people are thinking about, you know, I want a mentor or I want a mentor at work and I, you know, I need this to develop. And what is the difference between mentorship and coaching? And I think that is, you know, as a coach, you're helping them make sense of things. And, you know, I, I'm not really sure. I'd love to know your thoughts on, on that, but I, I'm kind of, I don't really like the idea of mentorship because I don't want to create another person like me. It also assumes that I have some, you know, as a mentor, the mentor is this person on a pedestal that the other person is trying to be like. And I think that it, it wasn't, it's not, 
it's not about that. And it's about, um, I don't know, like showing people these, um, showing people courage and strength and vulnerability and how to bring that all into the workplace and how to make sense of things. And um, I think that is, I don't know, that has been helpful to me. I don't know how, um, well, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to point that out. Yeah. I think um, it's very, it can be very easy to confuse management, leadership, mentorship, mm-hmm. advi- advisory or advice and coaching. Mm-hmm. And because they all sort of play in the same arena of human potential in certain ways. Um, and so when we talk about it, we think about leadership as painting a picture of the future you want the organization to create and developing a sense of trust and meaning with the group, with the organization, so that they'll actually want to be inspired to go there. Mm-hmm. Whereas management really is a discipline associated with achieving goals through the work of others. Yeah. And so, and then with regards to um, advisory, when you get advice from someone or you hire an advisor, they're there to give you an answer, in my opinion, mm-hmm. as opposed to a mentor, which is there, uh, who is there to show you a path mm-hmm. because hopefully they've done it before and they can show you a path, but it is your own journey. Whereas a coach, I think when a coach is excellent is really there to help you just make sense of things. It's an externalized sense maker for you. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I don't think they can inspire you to be somebody different than you are, nor should they try. They should help you become the fullest, most authentic version of yourself. And that has to do with helping you uncover the very confusion that blocks you from the potential you seek uh, and the, and the mm-hmm. you know, the excellence you seek. So they play very different sorts of roles. And, and of course, somebody can be all of those things, but not at once. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people get very confused by this. Yeah. Is they're, they're trying to be coach and manager at the same time. Yeah. There's, uh, at least in the way we think about management, coaching is a huge part of being an excellent manager. But at the end of the day, a coach has just one goal, which is to unleash your potential and to help and do that through helping you make sense of the world. A manager has a different order goal, which is to, you know, achieve a bunch of work through the effort of others. Mm -hmm. And there are times where coaches can be very patient and take long periods of time in order to work things out where a manager may not be able to. They may be in the midst of a triage situation or something else. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with respect to what you were saying about what you were saying about mentorship, I think it's wonderful there's lots of studies on this, and, and one of the reasons I'm such a big proponent of uh, putting more women and people of color and transgender people and all sorts of different mm-hmm. people in positions of power is because I don't know, I think human beings often have to see it before they can be it. Mm-hmm. And they they often have to see a leader or somebody who's excellent do something for them to think, oh my gosh, I'm capable of that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so w- one of the reasons I love working with people who aren't straight white guys, although I work with plenty of straight white mm-hmm. guys too, and uh, you're all great if you're listening to this, but <laughs> but but I, because I feel like that's how I can help multiple generations unleash their potential because they can see somebody being great who's like them. And human beings just at a DNA level are very much like that. That's not about a, mm-hmm. we're enculturated that way or anything. We're, we're very, from the time we're born, we're very sensitized to physical uh, attributes of others. And uh, so if we can see people and, and behavioral attributes of others, and so if we can see people like us succeed, 
then we become inspired mm-hmm. and we think, well, oh, that's, that's the opportunity of myself. Mm-hmm. And so again, if those people, as they gain power, are doing it in a way that is humble and profound in a way, frankly, like guys like me haven't done a good job of, um, I think the world will get better. And it's one of the reasons mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love, uh, and I'm incredibly grateful for working um, with people like you. Um, not, not just that you're a fabulous um, uh, female leader, but you're so fierce. Um, and to, to, see, to have people around you be able to see that and carry that message into the future, I think is just incredibly exciting. Well, thank you. I, I hope that I can leave that impact on the world. I think you can. <laughs> All right. Well, Renee, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it very, very much. I've loved our conversation. Uh, and really just incredibly grateful. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Coaching in the Clear has been a production of Talentism. It was recorded, mixed, and edited by 46 Ave Studios. Original music by John Hunter. If you found this podcast valuable, please share on social media and make sure to leave a review. To support this podcast, please sign up at talentism.com. There you will find important content and up-to-date insights about how to unleash your potential. Thank you so much for listening.